Uh, no, I'm not surprised by the backlash because some of the demands, it has to be said, are demands that change or attempt to change the kind of status quo arrangement between religion and state or between the Jewish element of Israel and its democratic element in a way that wasn't quite the case in the past. And um, among the among demands like this, for example, um, are those that encroach onto the non-Haredi areas of life, which are, I think, surprising to many uh, of the of the kind of non-Haredim in the country, especially the more secular elements of the country, and say, one minute, like the Haredim are making demands that Talmud should be introduced into the core curriculum of every school, including secular schools, uh, they're scratching their heads. And, of course, they're, they're up in arms about that. That It doesn't make sense that as a part of a coalition agreement, the Haredi parties should be telling everyone else what to study. Um, that's something which uh, you know m- many people are, are taking uh, uh, taking offence at. Um, some of the other demands that are not necessarily related to broader Israel uh, are also causing a backlash because of the expectation that if Haredim are going to get all of these kinds of um, greater levels of funding, let's say for Haredi education, then Haredi education needs to fall into line with the state expectations that it should prepare people for uh, life in the workforce, it should prepare people for Israeli citizenship. And because Haredi education is not perceived as doing so, then the demand for 100% funding for Haredi private education is is again is perceived as being brazen and out of out of line and and inappropriate um and and that's why we're seeing these backlashes uh the 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 demand for um burial places that each person should be able to have a burial site based on the most traditional and strict interpretation of laws related to burial which has a you know a very far reaching ramifications in terms of space into and and we know there's not much space around Israel it's not a big country there's not much space for burial around certainly not in the pop in 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 cities with a dense population and and that kind of coalition agreement which seems like okay you know it's a minor thing well it's not a minor thing that's a major thing and that seems to as it were um bind the state to this kind of strict interpretation strict Haredi interpretation of Jewish law. It could be, of course, that some of these more extreme demands, as you've said, the burial is one example, the demand not to produce electricity on Shabbat, and the demand for uh, gender separation on beaches. beaches It could be that those demands were put in deliberately to um, attract the focus uh, and make it easier for the issues that are really important for the uh, Haredi parties to pass. What do you believe is the core issues for the Haredi parties in the negotiations that for them um, it would be worth um, fighting Netanyahu over? I tend to agree with your analysis. Some of these demands are certainly deliberately there to be taken out, to be withdrawn later on and to focus on the core. But two two statements about that. First of all, the very fact that such demands can be raised, which, as I said, tend to bind the state of Israel to Haredi standards, that itself is a big statement. Even if you're planning to withdraw them, the Haredim is saying, we're here, we can legitimately make these demands, 
like Justman, um, uh, an uh, a lawyer who is leading the charge in these negotiations, and he said, "Listen, Mansour Abbas could get his 50 uh, billion shekels in his negotiations. That's taught us that we need to know how to negotiate, and and we can get much more than we used to." Um, it is that, and and that statement itself, by the way, has been very much poking a finger in the eye of non-Haredi. Israel, because you know the, the non-Haredi Israel says, well, do we really want to look at the Haredim like the Arab parties? I mean, do the Haredim want us to see them? I mean, surely they're, they're brothers. We're in this together. We have a deep partnership. It's a Jewish state which is shared by both of us. Um, surely they don't want to be like the Arab party. That's not a good position for them to place themselves in, number one. Number two, all of these budgets that were given to the Arab uh, to the Arab uh, population of Israel because of Mansour Abbas's negotiations. Well, those are for infrastructures that are important for Arabs to be a part of Israel, to have greater partnership in Israel. That's very different from electricity on Shabbat or separate beaches or stuff like that. So so I, I think those points are important to reflect on in themselves. But focusing now on what the core demands are, then I think that, yes, the core demands of the Haredi representatives, of the Haredi politics over here, are those that focus on Haredi society internally, not the ones that speak about the education for the secular, to put Talmud in, um, and not the ones that are going to change the way that the electric company in Israel functions, that they shouldn't produce electricity on Shabbat. Those are far-reaching, and they, as it were, go beyond the borders of Haredi society. The ones that are really the core demands are the ones that relate to the, as 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 uh, uh, as it were, to the Haredi autonomy, meaning education, to ensure that the wages that are received by Haredi teachers by Haredi schools are equivalent to those of non-Haredi teachers. That's a core demand. That's an essential demand. Other in, other other essential demands um, would be, for example, um, the question of um, uh, employment. Okay, employment for Haredim in government offices. Okay, in uh, in uh, in uh, in state corporations and offices. That's a big deal. Um, we we need jobs. We need employment. Uh, that's deeply impo- important for uh, Haredi society. Are there voices in the Haredi community that say, okay, these negotiations prove now how powerful we are, particularly bearing in mind Netanyahu's um, perceived weakness from his position, but these demands are not actually good for our society to pump billions of shekels into an education system that doesn't provide... English and maths as core subjects is not good for our community and its ability to function in the modern world. Are there voices saying this? Well, there are two types of voices in in uh, in this regard. Um, one type of voice does reflect the opinion you you mentioned now and says that you know you know what we need um, schools to be teaching a broader curriculum. Uh, we need our education system to be reformed in, in in different ways. And by pumping in all of this uh, expanded budget into the current education system, what we're doing is we're causing stagnation in our own internal uh, development. But that's very much a minority voice. That's a voice 
from the more modernizing elements within Haredi society, those are present. Um, but don't forget, those are voices that many of them didn't actually vote for the Haredi parties. There are many Haredim who decided not to vote for Haredi parties because of issues such as this. And therefore, the Haredi representatives don't feel that they need to represent those voices. If you guys are voting for other parties, whether for Shas, for example, many of the UTJ traditional voters might have voted Shas, and, and many voted for the religious Zionist parties, and therefore the UTJ representation says, well, we, we don't need to uh, take those voices into account. Other voices actually say a kind of different claim, and they say, well, there's a reason why we don't want 100% funding from the government, and that's because 100% funding is always going to come with strings attached. If our education system is actually private, then we're better off not having the 100% funding and cementing our position as a separate, autonomous, independent education system. Once we go to that level of 100% funding, then we will, will be much more exposed and vulnerable to state intervention in the education system. So that there are different voices about the education issue specifically, but that's only one issue. I think the employment issue is no less interesting, and, and there I would say there's a, a concrete benefit for those who are looking for greater involvement, participation, engagement of Haredim within the state apparatus, and by having more jobs within the state sector, that actually for me is an engine of greater engagement, participation, integration into Israel. Because even if Haredi individuals in the beginning, they go to their jobs and say, well, you know, we'll take these jobs with the intention of helping out our neighbors, our community, and so on. After a few months, that mindset changes. From my experience, and I know uh, many individuals who work in different government positions, whether it's local authorities or state authorities, uh, once you're there for a few months, you adopt a much more um, broad outlook on your job of, of doing the best you can for the state of Israel, for all the citizens of the state of Israel. And I think that, for example, is actually a, a legitimate demand and a good one, because there are a number of reasons why today there are so few Haredim integrated into the, into the state uh, apparatus in all of its different uh, institutions and, and so on. And, and those could be relieved and allow for more Haredi employment, which is actually a very important uh, uh, challenge to overcome.